interesting, wasn't it? Well, good morning. And uh, it's good to be able to share once again from the Psalms. Psalm number nine. I will praise you with all my heart. So Psalm 9 is is a psalm in which David begins with this great affirmation of praise. I will praise you, O Lord, with all all of my heart. But this psalm isn't just about praise. It isn't just about having a good time. There are three things that I want us to look at this morning in this psalm that are relevant to our own act of worship or our acts of worship wherever they may be whether they be here, at home, wherever firstly they're thanks and praise secondly they're petition and thirdly assurance so firstly then thanks and praise David praises God for pleading his cause and giving him victory there in uh, verses 1 to 6 and then again verses 11 and 12 he calls on others to join him in praise now it's important that we um, praise God with all our heart isn't it as one or two said yes in agreement I'm sure you're you're all, all in agreement it's important to praise God with all of our heart not just part of our hearts. How sad it would be to, um, you know, how sad it would be to to give a present to someone, only to to have them say, "Oh, thanks," and then not really mean it. You know, it'd be a bit disappointing, wouldn't it? You know, you you've been out in the shops, you've been looking for the ideal present for this person. You give it to them, and all they say, "Oh, thanks." It's like, well, you know, can you be a bit more enthusiastic about it, perhaps? The majority of us, the majority of the time, when we receive a present, we're thankful. Even if it's a a sweater that's knitted by our grandma, that that when we pull it on, the the, the hole for the the neck is just that little bit too tight that it feels like it's going to cut your ears off. You know, many of us have had the same experience. There are many of us, I'm sure, who've who've received a, a sweater like that, maybe in our younger years. But we still wear it, and in some cases, we wear it more than any other, even though we know it's going to hurt when we take it off. But we wear it because the person who gave it to us is special to us. And if that's the case with a present that will one day wear out, then how much more should we praise God when daily he gives us the breath of life in our lungs? And this should, I think, surely be multiplied when we become a Christian and and receive eternal life, that, that promise of eternal life, that promise of salvation, a gift from God that will never wear out. 
Now in case you can think of nothing to praise God for, then be like David and tell of God's wonders. Wonders like we saw on the screen behind me this morning. Speak out about all that he's done. His creation all around us. His his marvellous works both in the natural world and in the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls. David says, doesn't he, I will be glad, I will rejoice. That which is in our hearts should surely be apparent on our faces. I wonder, why is it then it would appear that so many have lost their joy? Why can you not necessarily here but why can you look around many churches today in our land and find so many people who, who look just so downright miserable when they're supposed to be praising God now I know there are, are times when we perhaps are, are going through something in our lives that, that makes it difficult for us to, to be able to smile because we have a a burden upon our shoulders, our hearts maybe feel heavy. But a lot of the time, we need to be released afresh into meaningful worship. Experience again that, that passion that we had when we were first born again. I will sing praise to you, O Most High. I will sing praise to you, O Most High. And we need to mean it. So why is is David in particular so full of praise of God? Well, you can look through the psalm there and then see several instances. His, His enemies have turned back. They stumble and perish. Their cities are destroyed and there's no remembrance of them God has rebuked the nations destroyed the wicked and blotted out their name forever just think about that for a minute their names are blotted out forever now just as the saved sinner will enjoy life everlasting for such a long time that our human minds can't grasp the length of eternity so the flip side of the coin is that not just the wicked but even their name will not be remembered forever and ever and ever there are things that happen to us many of us I'm sure have have been through difficult times but the remembrance of those things will stay with us to our dying day but after that they'll be gone praise God for that now that in itself is something to give God the glory for here and now if you just glance down to to verses uh, 11 and 12 we see another aspect of praise those who believe God is to be praised desire others to do the same thing that corporately that all together all may do better in praise 
just as God dwelt in, in Zion there, there in Jerusalem in the temple so today he dwells by his spirit in his church he pours out his grace to us and he expects our praise it's not an optional extra God expects our praise and rightly so when we consider all that God has done for us all he does for us and all that he will continue to do for us I wonder who are we to withhold our praise of him God expects our praise so let's give it gladly it should not be a burden secondly let's look at petition that time when we come to God and, and lay our requests before him there's nothing wrong in, in asking for God's help for his action God is a, a God who works even today he's living, he's active God is a loving father and just like an earthly father he wants to hear the things that concern his children now there may be some here whose earthly father didn't measure up to come anywhere close to a listening father then in some respects if that's true of your earthly father then how much more should you be full of praise that you have a heavenly father who cares a heavenly father who wants to listen verse 13 all the way through to the end of the psalm we see some of the things that David is bringing to God notice it's not so much of a, a list as a, a natural progression or a, a conversation he prays for God's compassion for God to have mercy on him for God to see the way in which his enemies persecute him he asked God to have concern for him. Then in the same breath he almost assures himself that God is a God who raises up the crushed. He looks forward and is almost praying for, for future reasons to praise God. He's so into praising God that he, he wants to have reason to praise God in the future. And I'm sure that if David hadn't have had any reason to praise God he would have just continued to praise God for who God is you only need to, to think of Jesus and how he was crushed and then raised to life again to see that God indeed lifts the oppressed both those physically oppressed and those spiritually oppressed but David doesn't call for his, his own deliverance just so that he can have a quiet life or for his own peace of mind. Now this psalm is a psalm of praise and so he calls for deliverance in order that God may receive all the glory and all the praise there in verse 13. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death 
that I may declare your praises in the gates of the daughter of Zion and there rejoice in your salvation. It's one thing to ask God to uh, free us from something in order to have a more peaceful life but it's a totally different heart attitude that genuinely wants deliverance for the sole purpose of giving praise to God. In verse 15 we, we see something else which often happens. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> to, uh, to those who oppress others. Not the oppressed but the oppressors. It says the nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. Now very often those who persecute others end up having a taste of their own medicine as we might say. They're visited by the the same evil that they measure out for others. I thought the other day how could I perhaps illustrate this and my mind went back to um, when I was a child and perhaps not all that long ago as well when I, I watched the um, the Roadrunner cartoons on TV now I'm sure there are many many of us here this morning who will um, remember Roadrunner most of you will no doubt know what I'm talking about there's this bird that runs along as fast as lightning and all he says is neat neat as he goes doesn't he neat neat and you see this cloud of dust coming up the road as he goes Zzz! flies past really fast Now watching a cartoon bird run through the countryside wouldn't really be all that interesting, would it? You know, if you had 15 minutes of just sitting watching a cartoon bird flash past the screen in a cloud of dust, I mean that's not, it's impressive but it's not all that interesting. It wouldn't hold your interest for very long. It wouldn't be that interesting but there's the bad guy Wiley Coyote trying his best to flatten him which makes it a little bit more interesting so what happens every time Roadrunner comes down the road in a cloud of dust there waiting for him is Wiley Coyote either with a large rock to squash him or a stick of dynamite to blow him up with and every time it's the coyote it's the aggressor who comes off worst of all he either blows his own fur off or or he stands there and and he sees the rock roll down the hillside and go past him and it rolls up the other side and rolls back and flattens him doesn't it now it's only a cartoon but it, it demonstrates well the serious point the bad coyote never wins good always triumphs and that's what David is certain of in this psalm no matter how bad things looked or actually were he knew that God was able to deliver at his appointed hour at God's appointed hour not David's the same is true for us today the devil continues in his schemes and takes hold of 
of men's hearts and uses them for evil purposes. But it is God who delivers. And for that, he should have our praise. Thirdly, assurance. Having praised God for for who he is and having brought our petitions to him, we should then be assured that God has heard us and will act according to his will and not always according to our desires. David is assured of God's judgment of the world there in verses 7 and 8. He knows that God is a righteous judge. He's mentioned it before in in previous Psalms that we've looked at. He's assured that God's government of the nations will be perfect as it still is today. God is still in control of the nations. When we accept and have full assurance that God is in total control then we will let go of those things that hold us back from worship and begin to praise God in a way that's true, in a way that's meaningful, in a way that's from our hearts. A day will come when God will avenge those who shed blood unjustly. God doesn't ignore the cry of the afflicted. God doesn't ignore the cries of the oppressed. He avenges the blood of the innocent. Isaiah 26:21 says, "See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will disclose the blood shed upon her. She will conceal her slain no longer." And again there in Psalm 72:12 to 14, "For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak." and on the needy and save the needy from death he will rescue them from oppression and violence for precious is their blood in his sight when we look around this world at all the injustice and bloodshed do we believe do we have the assurance that these verses are true for today if they're not true for today then we're in a very sorry mess a very sorry mess indeed if we visit the poor on the street in any city of this world and do not have the assurance in our hearts that their lives are precious to God then we're cold and we don't know God it's verses like these that give hope to the poor. You may go, or they may go, through hell on earth. But know that if they are saved, they will experience something beyond their wildest dreams in eternity. Perhaps that's why when, if you ever have the opportunity to, to visit a third world church, and you hear them raise the, the roof with their praises simply because 
they have real assurance that God is for them and not against them. They don't need the trappings of the world to be able to praise God. They know their chief purpose in life is to praise him. And then in the next life, they will praise him even more. I remember in, in Niger in West Africa, <coughs> on Christmas time when I was there, uh, we travelled not far from the uh, capital near May and we were in a small village and uh, there wasn't room in the, in the house uh, for me. It, it was Christmas. It, it sounds very... Yeah, all right, okay, calm down. Sounds very biblical. There was no room left in the inn. They said, You can have the guest house. I said, Thank you very much. So, thinking this was probably a very good option, I went down to the bottom of the garden and there was the guest shed. Okay? But it was good because it was Christmas Eve and I could, I could lay in or lay on the bed and I could see the stars with the crack in the wall. And. Uh, it was an incredibly humbling experience because there was nothing there. It was just literally more or less four walls that were somehow held together all by faith, I think. And then in the morning, just as it was getting light, about 6am, when he just managed to get off to sleep, they suddenly start, people suddenly start banging on the door and singing 6am in the morning thinking what are they doing anyway they, they sort of continued banging on the door so I thought well I'll get up and go and see what they want and it's like you know, happy Christmas you know, they're all seeing God's praises you know, come praise with us you know, God's son is, you know, was born on this day and then a few hours later we went down to the church and once again there was, there was nothing there just a few um, you know, bare benches to sit on but there was huge, um, big bundles of uh, millet stalks where they'd, they'd brought their, their tie for that year of um, all that the land had produced there on Christmas Day to, to celebrate, to, to give thanks, to give praise to God who given them so much. And I thought, well, that's amazing. You know, I mean, they're dressed in rags, yet they were praising God for all that he'd given them. They had assurance in their hearts that, that he was for them, that, that he'd given them his best. And they were really, really pleased to be able to, to give that, something, the little that they had, to give a tenth of that back to the one who'd given it to them. David is assured that God will judge the world justly that he will protect the oppressed and also that he will bring his enemies to ruin. Verse 17 he says, The wicked return to the grave. The wicked return to the grave and they are remembered no more. Hallelujah. Just as David has or has assurance here of salvation brought by the Most High is also assured that to forget God results in hell. It is one or the other. It is praise God 
and live for him or reject him and go to hell. There's no third way. There's no sitting on the fence to see which way it's going to work out. David is assured that God is in control and that it is good for man to remember that man is man. He's dependent. He's changeable. He's mortal. And most of all, he's accountable for his actions before a righteous God. So there we have it. Let's be encouraged and and challenged that next time we come into God's presence, we come in thanks and praise for all he has done for us, for all he is to us, for all he will continue to be to us, and for all that he will do. Then let us bring our petitions to him, knowing that he's a listening father, he's a listening God, he's a father who delights in his children. There's nothing that you can bring to him that is not too, that is too big. You know, don't ever think that you've got a problem that you can't bring to God because if you do, he's going to say, I'm sorry, that's a bit too big for me. There is nothing in your life, in my life, that God cannot take and turn around for his glory. And then, let us go on our way, assured of his righteousness, assured of his presence, assured of his justice and assured of his love and assured of the fact that one day if we know him we will praise him like we have never ever praised him before I think that's a wonderful thing to look forward to to be able to look forward to one day praising him like we've never ever praised him before